All right, you guys open your Bibles, you get your spot and your seat. So Judges chapter 6, we're going to jump back in. Uh, we're going to uh, make our way through this second session this morning. Uh, we're going to cover some ground. So uh, as I mentioned early, uh, I will not be able to hit everything, uh, all the points in depth. There's so many points that's so rich and so good. Uh, so we'll hit some, we'll uh, just mention some, and we may even miss some. Uh, but just know we're going to make some tracks here in this session, moving pretty quickly, uh, trying to cover quite a bit of ground so that we can set up what uh, we find in session three that uh, God's going to do in and through Gideon. In session one last night, we learned a mighty warrior believes God is with him. A mighty warrior believes God is with him. In Judges 6, verses 11 and 12, uh, we'll jump back in. Quick review. The angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Yoash the Aviazir. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the wine vat in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Know that God took the initiative and God came to Gideon. God comes to you and me. He takes the initiative with us. He comes to us and he did the same with Gideon, sent his angel to Gideon with a message for Gideon. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon replied in verse 13, Gideon said to him, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about? They said, hasn't the Lord brought us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. Gideon didn't believe that the Lord was with him and with the Israelites. Gideon believed that God had abandoned them uh, to Midian for the past seven years. Well, understand, as we shared last night, Gideon and the Israelites, they were tired, they were afraid, they were discouraged, they were frustrated, they were defeated because of the Midianites, the Amalekites, and the Eastern people groups that had continued for the period of seven years to come and take all their food, all their supplies, all their animals, and leave, and that they would leave their land just devastated. And so we know that Gideon was struggling with unbelief because he shared these two questions in this verse 13. He said, hey, if this is true, then why has all this bad stuff happened to us? And where is this God who has all this power that we've heard about? In other words, Gideon was saying, if God really is with us, like you say, Mr. Angel, then we would not be in this bad situation we would not be dealing with these difficult times because the Lord would have saved us long ago by the same power that he evidently used years and years ago with our forefathers as he brought them up out of Egypt. And we know and we shared that Gideon was wrong. The Lord was with him and the Israelites. And so we jump back now into the passage. Let's look at verse 14. We'll continue on. Last night we stopped off at 13. Let's look on to verse 14. God responded to Gideon. This is going to get, boy, this gets good now. We're starting to make, make some move here. Uh, watch what God does. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? So we've got this dialogue going on, but notice a change. The Lord himself replied. It was an angel, verse 11 and 12. Now it's the Lord. Scholars believe that this was a, an example of a pre-incarnate uh, appearance of Jesus as he, prior to his incarnation that we read about, obviously, uh, in the New Testament, uh, he had 
an appearance here where he came in the form of a man, pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ to speak with Gideon for a very brief time to send a message to Gideon. This word, the Lord turned. Your translation may say the Lord looked. So Gideon is talking with this angel and he's like, he's complaining. He doesn't believe. And all of a sudden the Lord responds, turns to him, looks at him, and he speaks these words to him. He looks right into Gideon's eye and spoke these words to him. Can you imagine that look? Can you imagine? I mean, I don't know about you, but I used to get looks from my father. Uh, I used to get looks from coaches. I used to get looks from teachers. And certain ones would send chills uh, through my being because I knew, uh-oh, uh, that, that wasn't good. And so can you imagine Gideon speaking here in the condition of the state he's in and the Lord looks at him. Now, I love what he says. Look at what he says. He says, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. This does not mean, understand, the Lord was not saying to Gideon, you're the man, Gideon. You go in your strength. You got it. You can do this, Gideon. You go ahead and go in your strength. What he was saying here we know Gideon had been relying on his strength, and where had Gideon's strength taken him? Nowhere other than into the wine vat, hiding, threshing some wheat in a wine vat. That's what Gideon's strength produced, which wasn't much, and it wasn't sufficient for the job. What the Lord said was, go in the strength you have. That meant go in the strength you have in me because I am with you. Go in the strength you have in me, Gideon. In me, because I've told you through my angel, I am with you. Gideon, go in God confidence, not Gideon confidence. Go in God confidence, not Gideon confidence. And I can tell you right now, life sure works a lot better for me when I live in God confidence and not Mark confidence. When I live in Mark confidence, chaos breaks out everywhere. And life doesn't work. And so he's sending this same message to Gideon. Now, I love how the Lord speaks. And he says, go in the strength that you have and deliver Israel from Midian. And then he ends it and he says, am I not sending you? Go in the strength, deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? In essence, he's saying, Gideon, what don't you understand? What aren't you getting here? I am with you. I am strengthening you. I am sending you. In other words, what he's saying here is, Gideon, you won't fail. Go save Israel. You won't fail. Go save Israel. For you and me, we need to be reminded this morning that when God sends us, he goes with us. And when God calls us to action, he empowers us to action. When God sends us, he goes with us, and when God calls us to do something, he empowers us to do that very thing he calls us to do. God wants us to understand he never, ever wants us to rely on pop psychology. He doesn't want us to rely on the power of positive thinking, because the power of positive thinking won't get you anywhere. He doesn't want us even to rely on ourselves, on our strength and our wisdom. He wants us to rely on him and his promise of his presence, which brings his power. 
He wants us. He wants you. He wants me. Whatever it is that he's calling you to do, and I know he's going to be revealing things that he's calling you to do. Maybe even started last night. He'll continue this morning, uh, and he'll continue all the way through our time together. God's going to reveal some things. He's going to speak to you by his Holy Spirit in you, and he's going to start sharing, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. Just know when he says those things to you, however difficult they may seem, uh, however uh, hard they may, may be to you to conceptualize and think, well, okay, well, what on earth? I can't do that. Understand, he's wanting you to realize when he calls you and he shares those things with you, he's going to go with you and he's going to empower you to do exactly what it is he is asking you to do. His promise of his presence and his power is what he wants us to rely on. I love what Hudson Taylor, a missionary years ago, prominent missionary, he said this. He said, all of God's great men have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on his being with them. Great men that we see in the word were actually weak men who did the great things for God just because they reckoned, they believed, they thought, you know what? He's going to be with me, so I'm going. And it's going to work out. A mighty warrior believes God is with him. This is vitally important for Gideon to understand. It's vitally important for you and me to understand. Discussion time now. Let's go. Uh, first discussion group. Uh, let's look at the second quality. We find the second quality of a mighty warrior. The first quality, a mighty warrior believes God is with him. Second quality, a mighty warrior believes what God says about him. A mighty warrior believes what God says about him. Now, at this point in this story, Gideon's having a hard time believing he's a mighty warrior. God's called him a mighty warrior. He's having a hard time believing this. We see in verse 14, the Lord turned to Gideon after he had complained, why is all this happening? Where is God? Go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. Am I not sending you? Gideon responds now to the Lord. Verse 15, he said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the youngest in my father's house. Gideon has asked the why question. Gideon has asked the where question, and now Gideon asks the who question. And we know he phrases it, how can I? What he's really saying is, who am I? God, who am I that you would actually think I can deliver Israel. I can't do this. I can't deliver Israel. I'm too young. I'm too weak. My family line isn't strong. I don't come from former leaders that I could potentially have a shot at doing this. Who am I? You see, we find here Gideon was focused on his power, not God's power. He was focused on himself, not God. He was focused on uh, his strength, not God's strength. He was focused on his thoughts, not God's truth. And he says here, in essence, God, you got the wrong guy. Who am I? I can't deliver Israel. I can't do this. And then God's response, I love this response. The Lord, he responds in verse 16, but I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if it were one man. Now that's awesome, isn't it? Remember, what did we hear earlier last night? That Midian was what? As swarm of locusts as much as the sand on the seashore. And so God here, he's speaking and he says, but I will be with you, the Lord said to him. You will strike Midian down as if he were one man. Gideon, the Lord responded, you're right. You are weak. You are afraid. You are inexperienced. You are discouraged. You can't 
deliver Israel in your power. Gideon, I'm not asking you to deliver Israel in your power. Gideon, I am telling you, I am going to deliver Israel by my power through you. I'm going to deliver them through you. You will strike Midian down, Gideon, as if it were one man. Here's what the Lord was saying to Gideon. Gideon, Midian will not be a problem for you because Midian is not a problem for me. The reason, Gideon, get this now, the reason that Midian's not going to be a challenge for you is they're not a challenge for me. I'm not asking you to go in your power. I'm going with you and you're going to do this in my power. And he says the same to you and me. As we go about our lives and as we look at the truth that God has called us to in his word, as we look at the challenge to us as as husbands, the husbands who are in the room, that we are to love our wives as Christ loved the church, for example. That's a command. That's a situation where me and myself, I'm like, who am I? How can I do that? I can't do that. And the Lord said so often, you're right. You can't. I'm not asking you to do it in your power. I am with you, and I am going to enable and empower you to do just that. This is not a problem for me, Mark, and it's not going to be a problem for you as long as you focus on what I am saying to you and what I am saying about you. And the same was happening here with Gideon. Gideon, don't focus on yourself and what you can do. Focus on me and what I can do. And the same is true for us. We must discipline ourselves, not to constantly look at life based upon ourselves and what we can do, but instead to look at it based upon God and what he can do and what he desires to do in and through us. He did not believe he was a mighty warrior at this point. He did not believe that he was going to be able in his strength and power to deliver Israel from the power of Midian. And he is still in the process of learning that the Lord is with him. And as he learns the Lord is with him, he then begins to learn that he can believe what God is saying about him. Because the Lord is with him, he is a mighty warrior. And the same is true for us. We must understand and realize uh, that we are mighty warriors in the Lord. Now, there's nothing wrong with, and it's important to point out here, there's nothing wrong with uh, us having a sense of awe uh, or a sense even of, of, of inadequacy to a certain extent when God calls us and God sends us to fulfill his purposes for us. Uh, for example, I am very well aware that I cannot be a godly husband. I cannot be a godly father. I cannot be a godly pastor. I cannot be a godly man. I cannot be a godly brother in Christ. I cannot be a godly leader in my strength. I can't do that. That's what God's called me to be. Every one of those things that I described is what God's called me to be. But I can't be that. And I know when God, and I read and see God's truth, and I understand and realize this is his call on my life. This is what he desires for me. I am immediately struck by a sense of awe, a sense of inadequacy as I read God's commands. And as I look at him, I think to myself, man, that is unbelievable. God, that is an 
awesome command. I am completely unable. I am completely incapable of being and doing all those things. However, Father God, I know and realize that you're not asking me to try to do it in my strength. You're not asking me to go out there and give it my best shot. You're just simply asking me to understand and realize what you call me to do, you're going to empower me to do. And when you send me to go, you're going to go with me. And I can and I am able to be all those things that you have called me to be in your word, in your power, as I depend on you day by day. And the same is true for you and the same is true for every man in this room. All that God calls us to do and how and who he calls us to be is possible when we understand he's with us and he is not asking us to do and fulfill all these truths and commands in his word that he's given to us in our strength. He's asking us to do it as we surrender to him and he will empower us to live our lives for him. It's like what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3, 5. I love what Paul said. He said this, not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Paul said, hey, listen, I'm not competent in myself to consider that anything comes from myself. But he says, but our competence is in God. Our competence is in God and our confidence is in God. We live with God confidence and we know that as God calls us, he will empower us. Now, what happens is when we uh, look at ourselves, when we look at others, when we look at our circumstances, we begin to get discouraged. When we get discouraged, we realize and see that things aren't working out the way they're working out because as we're looking at ourselves and others in our circumstances, we stop depending on God and we start depending on ourselves more and more and we stop looking to God and we start looking inward to ourselves more and more and what happens is we get discouraged and what happens over that period of time, we begin to doubt. Discouragement leads to that and we begin to doubt that God is with us. We begin to doubt that this is going to work out. We begin to doubt that change can really happen in this circumstance. We begin to doubt uh, that what we were hoping and what we've been thinking and what we've been trying to do is not going to work. We're depending more on self than we are on God. The discouragement is leading to doubt. The doubt then begins to lead to fear. Oh my goodness, if this doesn't change, then what does that mean? What's going to happen? Uh, this is not going to work out. There's no hope. There's no chance. There's no chance for change. This is uh, a colossal waste of my time. And what happens is the discouragement leads to the doubt, which leads to the fear, which leads to time of uh, even depression and defeat. And we turn away from God instead of continuing to walk in the power of God. Why does that happen? Well, it happens at the very beginning of that point when we begin to focus on ourselves, others, or our circumstances. What happens is the enemy lulls us. He entices us to take our eyes off God more and to put our eyes on ourselves or others, or our circumstances, which then lures us away from God and his power. He's doing this with Gideon. He was trying to keep Gideon from understanding and realizing the Lord is with him. He is a mighty warrior. This is going to happen. Enemy not wanting Gideon to take these steps of faith. And so we see Gideon responds again in verse 17. Gideon says this, Then he said to him, If I have found favor in your sight, give me a sign that you are speaking with me. Does that not crack you up? I mean, let's just think about that for one minute. That verse cracks me up. Then he said to him, this is Gideon, if I have found favor in your sight, yo, Gideon, the reason the Lord is speaking to you is you found favor in his sight. He would not have come to you, Gideon, if you had not found favor in his sight. Then it gets even better. Give me a sign that you are speaking with me. What? The angel of the Lord and the Lord himself 
The one speaking to Gideon, hello, sign, 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 sign. Wow. What's going on here? Man, Gideon is getting there. He's getting closer and closer. We're going to see the transition. But he's actually looking at this. He's looking at the Lord. He said, if I found favor in your sight. Of course you have. Give me a sign. I'm here. But God, so gracious, so kind, so faithful, he continues. He continues. Gideon, for uh, support for Gideon here, Gideon clearly because at that point in time, there were many, many false prophets who would go around and say all kinds of things and uh, would mislead people and uh, lead people in wrong directions. Gideon here desperately wants, he's discouraged, we know this, he's, he's struggling with belief, we know this, he's getting closer, he's starting to move a little closer and closer to the Lord, but he's wanting to make sure that, that he is not mistaken, he's wanting to make sure that he is not listening to a false prophet, he's wanting to make sure that what he hears is true, uh, so that if he acts on this, he knows it's the Lord who is speaking to him, and so he, he continues, it. and look at what he says in verse 18, he says, please... Please don't leave this place until I return to you. He's saying, give me a sign that you're speaking with me. At the end of verse, 16, verse 17. Then he says, please don't leave this place until I return to you. Let me bring my gift and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So God agreed. The Lord agrees to allow Gideon to go make him a meal to uh, prove that it is the Lord who is speaking to him. He's saying, I need a sign. I need a sign, Lord, that, that this is really you. I need a sign so I can move forward. And so he says, would you just hang tight right here and let me go, and I will make a meal, and then I'll come right back. And that'll help me to be sure and clear. That'll be this sign that I'd asked for in verse 17, that you're speaking with me. And so Gideon does that. The Lord says, okay, go. Gideon goes, and he makes a meal real quick. He puts together some meat. He puts together some bread. He brings some broth. And I'm paraphrasing and summarizing here in the passage. we got to make some tracks here, so I'm going to do that get about 20 to 25 verses in real quick, just kind of paraphrase a little bit here. He goes and he makes uh, the, the meat and the bread and he brings the broth and he goes and he sits there, brings it back to the Lord and the angel of the Lord is speaking now and the angel of the Lord says, okay, put the meat and put the bread on this stone. So he puts the meat and the bread on the stone. He says, okay, now pour the broth over the meat and the bread. He pours the broth over the meat and the bread. The angel of the Lord has a staff with him. He takes the tip of his staff and he touches the meat and he touches the bread and boom, Fire consumes it like that. That's a sign. I think that's a pretty good sign. Fire consumes the meal. Understand and know the meal was significant. The meal was sacrificial. The meal was selfless. The meal was expensive. The meal was costly. Why? You know why? There's no food. Midianites were taking all their food. It's just a little bit that he had stored. This is the significance of, of Gideon's request. He's like, I need a sign. And listen, he's serious about this. He's, he's serious. He's getting closer. He seriously wants to know. He wants to follow the Lord. He, he wants to start to believe. And he's going to even go so far as to take just a little bit of the food that he's got. They don't have much. Because the old Midianites and the Malachites, and he brings that as a sacrifice, boom, fire consumes it. And then the angel of the Lord, Scripture says, vanishes. Ooh. Vanishes. And it was at that point that Gideon realized, uh-oh. Gideon saw the offering 
consumed by fire. He saw the angel of the Lord vanish, and he realized at that moment, I just saw the sign. That sacrifice was consumed. The angel vanished. He realized his sinfulness all at once. He realized that he was speaking with an angel of the Lord. He realizes now what's going on. And he begins to cry out to God, and he thinks he's going to die. Why does he think he's going to die? Because he says, I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. And he thinks now he's going to die. Because now he's realized, as God gave him this sign, he realized, "Uh uh-oh, I was actually speaking to the angel of the Lord. This is true. This is not a false prophet. This is the real deal. And he knew and understood that God had told Moses uh, years before that no one can see the Lord face to face. John, we see it in the New Testament, said no one can see uh, the Lord face to face in person and live. And so he was afraid. He was scared. But the Lord quickly said to him, Gideon, 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 you're not going to die. I got plans for you. Remember, dude, I'm the one who's calling you to go and deliver Israel from Midian. You're not going to die. And we see this in verse 23, but the Lord, if you look at verse 23, skip down there real quick. It's not uh, on the uh, screen, but you can look at it there in your scripture. But the Lord said to him, peace to you. Don't be afraid for you will not die. Peace to you. Peace is that sense of well-being, that sense of safety, prosperity, health, uh, an end to hostilities. The Lord was teaching Gideon. Here's the lesson the Lord was teaching Gideon. He was teaching Gideon, Gideon, when I promise you my presence, when I promise you that I'm with you, that means I am also promising you my power. And when I promise you my presence and my power, what does that leave for you? That leaves you with my peace. My peace. So that you can go and do exactly what I'm calling you to go and do. You see, Gideon needed the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord, but he also needed the peace from the Lord in order to do what he was being asked to do. Gideon now begins to walk by faith. He's now slowly starting to get it. The scriptures tell us that Gideon built an altar to the Lord right there immediately. And he named it uh, Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. As he's beginning to understand what's getting ready to happen here. And we begin to start to see the change in Gideon. So now we get to the next assignment and God, immediately after this, God then asks Gideon, he gives him a test. And God knows, God's obviously all-knowing and he gives Gideon a test. He says, hey, Gideon, I need you to do something. Uh, He sees that Gideon's starting to believe. He says, I need you to go tear down the altar to Baal uh, that your father has. And I need you to tear down the Asherah pole that was beside the altar to Baal uh, that your father has. Tear it down. And he says, then I want you to take a bull and I want you to take a second bull from your father's uh, group. And I want you to go and I want you to tear down that Asherah pole. And as you tear down that Asherah pole and as you obliterate the altar to Baal, I want you then to build an altar to me with the wood that was used to build the Asherah pole. And so we see Baal and Asherah were false gods. They were the idols that uh, many of the other peoples around Israel worshipped. And they were the idols many times that Israel worshipped when they turned away from God and walked in disobedience to God and did evil in the sight of the Lord. God's first commandment, you guys remember, is what? Thou shalt have no other gods besides me. God's a jealous God. He doesn't want any other gods. He will not share his throne with anyone. And so he was telling Gideon, my first request for you, Gideon, is you need to go tear down that altar that's in your father's house. 
I want that altar down on your father's land. I want that altar that your father has built, that your father has worshipped at. I want that torn down. And here's the main point for us, a key point. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Before God uses us, we must cut down the altars or the idols in our lives. Before God uses us, the idols have got to come down in our lives. Whatever those idols may be, I don't know what that idol is for you. I don't know. It may be different. It's obviously different for different ones of us. Whatever those idols are in our lives, whatever it is that we're holding on to more than we're holding on to the Lord, they've got to go down before God can fully use us in the way that God is desiring to use us. And so we see he issued this command to Gideon. Gideon obeyed God. He tore down the altar. He tore it down. And he tore down the pole, the Asher pole, at night. He did it at night. Why at night? Because he was scared. He was scared of the men of the city. He was scared of his father and what would happen. And so he did exactly what God told him to do. He took some men with him and he tore it down. The next morning, this is an amazing scene. The next morning, the men of the city get up. Yoash, his father, gets up. And they immediately realize, hey, who tore down the altar to Baal? This was a central point where others came, not just Yoash's family, but others came uh, to worship Baal. It was a central point of idolatry for the people of the city. And he, they said, who, who did this? Look at this. It's torn down. And as word spread, it finally came out that it was Gideon who did it. And to demonstrate the depravity, to demonstrate uh, the sinfulness, to demonstrate how far the people of Israel had slid away from God, to demonstrate uh, their, their heart at that point in time and the sin and the disobedience that was in their heart, when the men of Israel learned that Gideon was the one who tore down the altar to Baal, uh, instead of wanting to find out why and maybe repenting before the Lord and seeking the Lord's forgiveness and understanding and realizing that's true, we have been worshiping an idol. No, they wanted to kill Gideon. They wanted to kill him. They said, where is he? We want him dead. So Gideon's concern about how they would respond was well-founded. <laughs> it's well, pretty well-founded. He kind of knew what was going to happen, and sure enough, it did. They wanted to kill him. They came out, and they searched for him, and they tried to kill him. And in a crazier scene than that, they come, and they're getting to where Gideon is. They're coming to find out where Gideon is, and guess who speaks up for Gideon? Yoash, his dad, who was the one who built the altar in the first place and was part of the idolatry in the first place. Gideon's faithfulness to God, Gideon's obedience to God had actually influenced his father because they're coming to kill Gideon and they're looking for him and Yoash says, ho, 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 time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. He says, listen. He says, why are you guys trying to kill Gideon? He said, if Baal is a god... Let Baal contend with Gideon. And if Baal is a god, then Gideon, my son, is not going to be alive tomorrow morning. Baal will take care of him. And oh, by the way, if Baal doesn't take care of him, if Baal doesn't have the power to defend himself, then why are we worshiping him in the first place? Wow. Wow. What an amazing response, Yoash. We see God not only at work in Gideon, and here's an important point for all of us. Listen, 
God wants us to believe that he is with us and that we're mighty warriors because we need to believe that he is with us and we're mighty warriors. But God wants us to believe that he's with us and we're mighty warriors because while God is using us and working through our doubts and working through our fears and understand faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is moving forward despite our fear. When God is working in and through us, no one understands that he's also working in our families. He's working in our wives. He's working in our children. He's working in our extended families. He's working with our coworkers. He's working in our neighborhoods. He's working with all those he's placed around us. And we may not know it. Certainly Gideon would have never guessed that this would happen, but Gideon was faithful. He was obedient. He did what God asked him to do in the way God asked him to do it. And now God comes to his side reminding, hey, Gideon, remember, I told you that I am with you. I told you you're a mighty warrior. I told you that Midian's not going to be a problem for you because Midian's not a problem for me. Watch this. And Joash, Joash stands up and he comes to the defense of his son. Though he was the one in the idolatry, He was the one leading it, and what an awesome, awesome scene. We'll pick up in session three uh, as to what happens. And Gideon then, the men agree. That sounds good. That makes sense. And so they left Gideon alone. So the Lord continues now, and the Lord continues, and he shares with Gideon. Now, you passed the first test. You tore down the, the altar. Test number one, done. Now he says, It's time, Gideon, for you to go and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. He continually reminds him now of this. And then Gideon, as you see at the end of chapter 7, we have the fleece. Many of you know when you know about, or at the end of chapter 6 rather, many of you hear about the fleece. And many times folks associate Gideon with the fleece. And what Gideon said was, uh, after this amazing scene, after he followed the Lord and after Yoash stood up for him, uh, God said, it's time now. I want you to go deliver Israel. And Gideon said, uh, I need another sign. One more. If you wouldn't mind, would you please, I'm going to lay this fleece out on the ground tonight. And if possible, would you, just to make sure that I'm hearing you and that, that you're asking me to be the one to deliver Israel, I want to make sure that I'm clear about this, would you make the dew in the morning be only on the fleece and not on the ground? God, the next morning, graciously answers his request. Gideon gets up, immediately goes out, looks, oh, sure enough, the ground's dry, fleece is wet. God reminds him, it's time, Gideon. Uh, One more sign, God. Please, one more. Please don't get upset with me. One more. Tomorrow morning, just so I'm clear, I just want to make sure I'm clear. Will you make the ground wet with the dew? And would you leave the fleece dry? God graciously, the next morning, answers his request. Gideon gets up. Sure enough. Takes it. Well, that fleece is just as dry as can be. The ground is wet. Discussion time. Go. All right, let's wrap back up. We'll get to the end here uh, of this session. So we see Gideon asks for these signs. Now, 
I think we can all agree that, that there are times when we're like Gideon, that we want to know and we want to make sure that we're here in the Lord and we're doing what the Lord wants us to do. We're wanting to make sure that, that we're, we eliminate the doubts as to whether or not this is exactly what God's calling us to do. And we want to make sure that if it's God calling us to do it, that we want to do it. And it's not uh, us coming up with some thought or an idea in our own heads. And so Gideon, we understand um, that we can understand Gideon's desire to make sure that it was the Lord speaking to him and calling him to do what it was that he was calling him to do. Uh, there are many times that we see, even today, folks will take this and they'll say, uh, and I've heard this all the time, they'll say, Pastor, uh, I just tell folks that if they want to know what the Lord's will is, uh, just put out a fleece and uh, just lay one out there. And they'll say, uh, just go ahead and put out a fleece, and then that the Lord will let you know, as if, uh, you know, it's kind of like, God, all right, uh, if your will is for me to do this, uh, then I need you to uh, make sure this happens in the next 15 minutes, and if not, then I know you want me to take door B. Uh, and then we'll get through the next 15 minutes. Okay, best two out of three, God. If, uh, if you really don't want me, and we start to to do those things. It's like the guy who said, God, if you want me to stop and get donuts for the office this morning, then let there be a parking spot open right in front of the donut shop. Uh, and the guy said, on the eighth time around the block, the spot was open. And so we see that they were, he was wanting to, and, and he was wanting to have that assurance. And at times we've got to be careful. We've got to be careful of uh, trying to get God to convince us uh, of what he really wants us to do when the truth of the matter is that we're just kind of dragging our feet. Uh, because the point in this situation was, did Gideon know what God's will was? Absolutely. Gideon's issue in this passage from the beginning to the end was never about God's will. It was never he knew what God wanted him to do. He had full knowledge. He had full understanding. He had full awareness of God's will. God's will for him was to go and deliver Israel from the power of Midian. He never struggled with that. Gideon's issue was with belief and courage and faith. That was his issue. He struggled to believe that he was the one who was going to be able to do it, which is the reason why he asked all the questions. And then he started asking for the signs. And we too are at times like Gideon. We at times struggle. We know what God is telling us to do. We know that. But our struggle point is, God, if you really want me to do that, can you give me a sign? Uh, can, can you... Can you Take care of this fleece for me when we know God has made it clear to us that his will for us is, is known by us. He reveals it to us. He reveals it to us in his word and prayer. He even sometimes reveals it to us by other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we must be careful to understand, thankfully, God loves us and thankfully, God is patient with us. Amen? Man, I tell you, that, that, one of the things that jumps out, we won't touch base on this, is just the patience of God with Gideon. It was remarkable. Uh, and we'll see more about that in just a minute. So how can we, let's look at just a few questions. Uh, one question, a few responses. How can we uh, believe what God says about us and to us? How can we take some steps to, to be better at this than maybe we already are? Uh, what can we do, much like Gideon, to make sure that we know that we know that we know that it is God who is speaking to us? Number one, we must surrender ourselves to God each day. These are going to sound real simple, and that's because they are, uh, and that's because they work. 
Uh, and so we must surrender ourselves to God each day. God speaks to us by his Holy Spirit in us uh, as we surrender ourselves to him each day. We must depend on him. We must place ourselves at his feet on a day-by-day basis. We must seek him. We must wake up focusing our attention on him. We must surrender ourselves each day. God, I am laying myself out to you. God, I am presenting myself as a living sacrifice to you today, holy and pleasing in your sight. God, I want you to have your way with me. I want you to do what you want with me in me and through me. God, lead me, direct me, guide me. God, I avail myself to you. I surrender myself to you, God. However you want to see fit, use me today, God. Continually throughout our day, surrendering our will to God, surrendering our wants to God, surrendering our ways to God, surrendering ourselves to the Lord so that he can lead and move and guide and work in us. Secondly, we must spend time with God each day. That surrender happens as we spend time. Two points in particular, we spend time with God in confession. You see, we got to spend time with God in confession because that was the main issue of the Israelites. They were sin against God. So we must spend time confessing our sin to God. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins and he'll purify us and cleanse us from all our unrighteousness, from all of our sin. We must make sure that we are spending time with God in confession speaking to him, communicating with him, spending time with him in confession. The way we make sure the idols in our lives come down is by confession. The way we make sure the idols in our lives comes down and that God's number one each day is through confessing, confessing our sins to him. So we must spend time with God, confessing our sins to God. And then we must spend time with God in communication. Not just in confession, but in communication as well. Talking with God, dialoguing with God, speaking to God, presenting our requests to God, casting our cares on God. He tells us he wants us to communicate with him. Now I want you to be real clear. We'll point this out uh, just for a minute. Don't miss what was happening with Gideon in this passage and what God was doing with Gideon. We look at this and we see God's grace and his patience on display with Gideon. We see Gideon asking for these signs. He asked for the sign with the meal. He asked for the sign with the fleece to be wet and the, drown, and the ground dry and then the gr- fleece to be dry and the ground wet. He's asking for these signs and we see God and we see his patience and we see God each time he's a- actually responding to Gideon and he's answering these requests. He's giving these signs as well as all the other multiple signs that he had given to Gideon. Understand there is a point. Almighty God is an all-knowing God. Amen? He knows us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows exactly what we need. And so what was going on was this. God's patience with Gideon in regards to his requests was actually reinforcing the message to Gideon that the Lord was with him and that he was a mighty warrior. It was God's patience with Gideon that allowed Gideon to continue to spend time with God, that allowed Gideon to continue to talk with the Lord, that allowed Gideon to continue to wait on the Lord, to see if the Lord was going to answer that sign, to prepare the meal, to watch and to see God's request, Gideon's requests and God's patience in answering his requests is an amazing picture of the love and knowledge and wisdom and patience of God working with Gideon because what did Gideon need to know before Gideon would go and deliver Israel. He needed to know that God was with him and he needed to know that he could believe what God said about him. How was that going to happen? It was only going to happen if he spent time with the Lord. How was he going to spend time with the Lord? Well, Gideon's way of spending time with the Lord was asking for all these requests. 
requests. Gideon didn't get that. He didn't quite understand that, but God knew that. And so God graciously responded to each one because as he was responding to each one, Gideon inside, he was beginning to realize, well, wait a second. This is the Lord. He is speaking to me, and he is with me, and he, I can believe what he says about me. And maybe I am a mighty warrior. That altar I tore down, and it worked out. My dad even came to my defense. That's awesome. I asked for the fleece. That worked out. I asked for the second fleece. That worked out. Hey, wait a second. Maybe, maybe God is truly speaking to me. The more time he spent with God, the more he believed the Lord was with him, and the more he believed what God said about him. And God kept drawing him and drawing him to him by answering his requests for the signs. And what we see in this situation, in this example, is we need to spend time with God. We need to spend time with God talking with God. We need to spend time with God communicating with God. I'm not saying we need to spend time asking God to give us 17,000 signs before we do what he asks us to do. Because remember, understand, uh, just a little side note, at this point in time, uh, the Holy Spirit of God had not come to dwell in the people at this time. And so God spoke to the men and women in the Old Testament through dreams, through signs. The Holy Spirit would come and speak to them. We see all kinds of different ways that the Lord spoke to them. But with us now, because God has saved us by his grace through our faith in Christ Jesus, we know that God places his Holy Spirit in us at the moment of our salvation. How does God speak to us? God speaks to us every day in every way, every step along our way by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. And so we can communicate with God and we spend time with God confessing our sins to God. We spend time with God talking with him and communicating with him. And there's nothing wrong with saying, God, I, I know that you told me in your word that I need to go and make this disciples of all nations. God, I know you tell me in your word that I've got to go and tell others about Jesus. And so, Father God, I don't need to ask you 700 times if I need to tell my coworker about Jesus because you've already told me that. God, what I need to do right now is ask you to give me the courage and the words to say what you want me to say. That's what I need. I don't need to know, God, because you've told me in your word. You've told me. It's the same thing that comes up, for example, every time we have a mission trip. God says, go. We don't have to worry about whether we need to be involved in our mission trips. There's no question. We are all supposed to go. So when the mission trip times come up, it's just an example, serving in the area of ministry. Just an example. Don't ask the question, am I to go? He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What else do we need? But the answer, there's the answer. Go. He's told us. Now, what we can't do is ask God, God, how do you want me to go? Do you want me to go physically? Do you want me to go prayerfully? Do you want me to go financially? Do you want me to be the one to make sure that my brother or sister who you are actually sending goes? And so do you want me to go financially and pay that price for them? so that I can go? Do you want me to go by praying for them as they go? Do you want me to go by fasting? God, do you want me to fast for them? And do you want me to fast for a meal while my brothers and sisters are in the nations and they're going? And do you want me to just burn for that period of time? Do you want me to fast and spend that time and that meal just praying my heart out for them? God, is that how you want me to go? But we understand and realize God wants us to go. And the more time we spend with God, the more we're able to communicate with God and the more we believe the Lord is with us and the more we believe that what the Lord says about us. Hey, listen, the more we spend time with God, the more we believe that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. The more that we believe we are new creations in Christ Jesus. The more that we believe we are overcomers in Christ Jesus. The more that we believe that we are more than victors in Christ Jesus. When we spend time with God in communication, we believe that God's peace surpasses all of our understanding and guards our hearts and minds 
Christ Jesus. We believe God will meet all our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. When we spend time with God in communication with God on a day-by-day basis, we know and understand that God's grace is sufficient for us and his power is made perfect in our weakness. Therefore, we can be weak all we want because when we're weak, that's when we're strong. And so we don't need to worry about our weaknesses because that's the very thing God uses to make us strong because it's his power that is perfected in and through our weakness. And we just spend that time with the Lord. We spend that time with the Lord, communicating with him, and he grows us, and he leads us, and he moves us just as he has done with Gideon. The more time Gideon spent with the Lord, as we see now, we're watching this progression with the signs. The more time he spent with the Lord, talking with the Lord, what happened? His confidence grew in the Lord, didn't it? Wait for session three. Woo, man. Wait till you see session three. His confidence is now growing in the Lord. Why? Because he's spending time with the Lord. And what's happening, the more he spends time and the more his confidence grows, what happens, the more he starts to follow the Lord. It's amazing how that works. And the same is true for you and me. As we communicate with the Lord, as we spend time with the Lord, communicate with the Lord, our confidence in the Lord will grow. We'll live in God confidence, not our own self-confidence. And we begin walking by faith. And we begin seeing the Lord do what only he can do. And we get to sit, we get to sit back and watch what God does in us and through us and around us. The third point we need to take and make sure is we connect with other mighty warriors. We need to connect with our brothers in Christ. We need each other, guys. We need each other. Say that with me. We need each other. Say it. We need each other. Again, we need each other. We need one another. we got to connect with our brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we're able to know God's speaking to us because God speaks to us through us, through the encouragement, through the blessings of one another. I can't tell you how many men came up to me last night, just in a short period of last night, and were sharing. And man, I tell you, God was speaking like crazy through them. Did they know that? No. No. They were telling me what God was saying to them. But as they were telling me what God was saying to them, God was speaking through them and speaking to me. And we need this. This doesn't just need to be a once a year deal. We need this. We have this in our life teams. We have this in our D groups on Wednesday nights. We have this in, our, in our, just our friendships. We need this. We need each other. We're going to see in session three that Gideon connected with a bunch of other mighty warriors. You probably know the story. I'm not going to give it away yet. We'll wait a few minutes to give it away how many. But we can connect with one another. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's three. Maybe it's five. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's 15 brothers. Who knows? We need to connect with one another because when we connect with one another, we're able to walk by faith together. So we spend time with God. We surrender ourselves to God each day. We spend time with the Lord, communication and confession, seeking him. And then we make sure that we're also putting ourselves around some brothers in Christ who can hold us accountable, who can help us, who can walk with us, who can encourage us, who can speak God's truth into us, and who we can do the same with them. All right, go to your sessions. Last session for this this session to discussion time. Go to your discussion.